You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the easiest way that I have found to shop for tickets because I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. Uh, I plan on using SeatGeek a little bit later in this season now that Indiana season is over and I have a little bit of extra time on my hands on weeknights and plan to get out to a Mavericks game and see Yogi play, which I haven't had a chance to do. And you can be sure that when I do that, I will be getting my tickets on SeatGeek as I did when I went and saw him play last year. Because, again, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. They save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners of the Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. So the way that you do that is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 66th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 393rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, March 8th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris, and let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And, you know, when your season is over on March 1st, it's uh, it's tough to pick a banner moment. But despite the way that Indiana's 2017-18 season came to such a disappointing thud of an ending, there are still plenty of reasons to believe that Indiana basketball is on the right track toward future sustained success. And I think it all starts on the recruiting trail, where the commitment, the smart game plan, and the boundless work ethic of Archie Miller and his staff have been on full display. For example... Less than 24 hours after Indiana collapsed against Rutgers in its Big Ten tournament opener, Archie was back in Indiana watching recruits. As Jeff Rabjohns reported on Friday night, Archie watched 2019 five-star recruit Keon Brooks, and he wasn't the only one. Tom Ostrom watched five-star Trace Jackson Davis, and Bruiser Flint watched sharpshooter Alex Hemingway. All three are important in-state targets for the class of 2019. And what's impressive here and telling is the priority given to these players just one day after Indiana lost in the Big Ten tournament in New York City late on Thursday night. After what was a long and surely draining season for Indiana's coaches, would anyone have begrudged them a night or two off 
to rest, to recharge the batteries or blow off a little steam or maybe spend some quality time with the family, maybe catch a Broadway show while they were in New York? Of course not. But Archie and his assistants were back in the Hoosier State making their presence felt, walking the walk after Archie talked the talk upon being hired about his inside-out recruiting philosophy. Now, Indiana may not land all of its remaining in-state targets in 2018 and 2019, but it sure looks likely that they'll at least land some of them. And any of these guys would be key pieces for the future of Indiana basketball. Moreover, the commitment that Archie and his staff have shown to reestablishing Indiana as a recruiting power in the Hoosier State is refreshing and one of the most encouraging signs that Indiana basketball will emerge from the tumult of the last two seasons to once again become a consistent contender in the Big Ten and hopefully beyond. All right, let me now introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He's currently one of the most popular and in-demand men in America as Selection Sunday looms ever closer and people seek the most proven, accurate bracketology projections available anywhere. In fact, I fielded a media request for him from none other than the New York Times yesterday. So we're very, very fortunate to have him with us on the show tonight. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Well, I assume if any of the coaching staff was going to check out a Broadway show, they would have used the promo code assembly when they went to SeatGeek. So, <laughs> I sure um, hope so. Nice. Yes, obviously nice. they would have. Um, no, it's a, it's been kind of a weird week. I mean, with with the you know this is the way the schedule has been. I mean, having a week between games or or since the a week between the last time there was a game and we talked has not been a uh, not been a normal occurrence. So kind of weird to watch all these conference tournaments and see the. Uh, you know, and have the Big Tens be over and have, you know, IU season essentially be over, barring something unforeseen from an NIT perspective. But, uh, you know, I, I guess this is probably as good a week as any for me to think about uh, hopefully a time maybe as early as next year when uh, some of the requests I'm getting related to bracketology are about IU and where they might be going as opposed to uh, the now annual tradition of getting questions from Syracuse fans and media about if the Orange are going to make the tournament or not. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess maybe that's where if I, if I look forward to something to, I, that I would like to see, or hope we hope we see and maybe use as some kind of, uh, strange benchmark for the, uh, for the Archie Miller. Maybe it's the first time that we actually are talking about, you know, where IU might be seated and, uh, and where they might be going, even if they're on the bubble would be, you know, different than, than this year. Uh, and I'll end by saying that I was on with Kent today and he asked me like a, a, like I forget how he phrased it, but it was like, well, if IU had been able to take care of Ohio State and, uh, and and then, you know, make a good run, what could have happened? And I immediately asked if you had planted that question with him somehow. And so um, <laughs> I did not, I promise. <laughs> he, he at the very least defended you and, and acted like you had not. But it seemed very much like it was that. So um, so I guess technically I did field an IU related bracketology question today, but I'd like to see one rooted a bit more in reality. Uh, than perhaps the one was earlier today. Well, unfortunately, there are not any of those right now. Uh, to my right, we have someone who is considering trying to lobby Jim Delaney to move the Big Ten tournament to San Diego next, because why not? He's a columnist for the big lead, and he is a man who, inspired by today's news that John Rothstein of CBS Sports is filing a trademark for the phrase, this is March. Yes, seriously, that's a thing that is apparently happening. Uh, this guy is planning to file trademarks for the phrases, better than advertised, two-year plan, I need some cereal, and hey, did you guys read that tweet of mine that I texted you? He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant from the past week in Indiana basketball? Uh, also, I'm going to trademark fake news and you know, <laughs> lots of other ones. I'm, I'm just going to flood the system and see what comes back. Uh, 
you know, it, it's it's been really depressing watching a lot of good college basketball and not having Indiana involved. I will say that uh, and seeing so many teams that Indiana played this year, uh, you know, being featured as in the tournament or on the bubble or, or involved in some way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I'm with you, Jared. I'm trying to concentrate on, you know, the incoming recruits and you know maybe watching highlights and 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 focusing on uh, the, the recruiting process that Archie and his staff are going through. I mean, you know, if there's one benefit, maybe it's that they can get a jump on those guys before anybody else can right now. Um, but you know, I, I think it's really, uh, just sort of sobering that the season's already over and it was over one or two days into March, one day into March, I guess. Um, you know, and, and that's not where we want to be as, as a program, but I think that we all agree that there are, certainly positives on the horizon and, and things are changing, but uh, yeah, it's been a, re- it's been a real weird week as far as, as far as Indiana basketball goes, because at least you're deep into March, usually, you know, two weeks into March, by the time the season's over, even if you're uh, not going to make the tournament or the NIT and, and to be done on the first day of March and then have to watch for the next four weeks while college basketball plays out, you know, the greatest spectacle in sports is, uh, is kind of rough. And, and, and like I said, very sobering. Yes, it is. All right. Well, here's what we are going to discuss this week. We are going to dive into Archie Miller's performance in his first season as Indiana's coach. What grade does he get for his first year on the job? Uh, we'll also spend a little bit of time uh, discussing some lingering thoughts on the Big Ten tournament being in Madison Square Garden. If we have some time, maybe we'll hit a little Big Ten bracketology. And then a Q&A at the end. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. Now, I do want to make mention that this week we are doing our postseason donation drive. So we tend to do these at the end of the season leading into the offseason uh, and then at the beginning of the season. Uh, and so if you want the full details of how to support the show, you can go to assemblycall.com slash donate. And, uh, you know, we started this uh, just a, a couple days ago, actually just Wednesday, March 7th. So depending on when you listen to this, either a day ago or a couple of days ago. Uh, and as we always are, we're just absolutely blown away by the generosity and the support and the enthusiasm uh, that audience members like you have shown for our show. And we always kind of set a goal for these donation drives, you know, kind of based on, uh, you know, what we've done before, how much the show has grown and what we kind of project that we'll need to, to cover costs and that kind of thing. Um, and, and we've always beaten that goal. And the goal that we set for this donation drive was $5,000. Uh, we are already, after, what, just about 36 hours, at $3,421.86, which is unbelievable for this early in the drive. So we really appreciate everybody who has uh, donated. We've had donations all the way from $4 uh, up to about $150. Uh, and then there's also ways to submit recurring monthly and annual donations as well. So all of those details are there at assemblycall.com slash donate in any amount. Uh, that you can give to support the show would be greatly appreciated. Um, so, yeah, so assemblycall.com slash donate, uh, and the donation drive goes through next Friday, March 16th. Uh, so we will keep you posted uh, on the progress that we're making, but already the progress has been mind-boggling, as it always is, because you guys are incredible. As I wrote in our initial email, Hoosier Nation is absolutely amazing, and the subset of Hoosier Nation that comprises Assembly Call Nation is even more remarkable. So thank you for all the support uh, now and through the entire seven years that we've been doing the show. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Uh, and so let's hit this question right off the bat before we get to anything else. This came from Ben, and he says, "Does Indiana get a shot at finishing strong with one final chapter of this season with an NIT invite 
rather than closing the book after a Rutgers loss. I'll get your guys' thoughts on this, but I say no. I don't even think there's a chance at the NIT. Number one, because you know, so even though some of those projections that had Indiana in, they didn't actually anticipate Indiana making it because when regular season conference champions lose in their conference tournament, they get an automatic bid to the NIT. So that's already going to knock Indiana out. And plus, you know, even just after the game, Archie didn't sound very much like he was anticipating it happening. If you listen to Robert Johnson's interview uh, on Earn Your Stripes, you know, he basically made it sound like they were done practicing and not even really planning for it. So I don't really think there's any chance of it happening. Um, Do you guys have any reason to believe anything different than that? Or is that something we should all just move on from? I mean, Andy's the expert, but I would say no. I mean, if the team is saying isn't lobbying or saying anything, I think you're pretty sure where you sit. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably move on territory. I mean, I think you'd have needed such a high percentage of of regular season champions to win their win their tournaments. And I just, you know, a handful of them have lost already. There's still a lot more to go. Um, but but I think it's pretty unrealistic to think that that high of a percentage would do it to to open the door for something like that. Yeah. OK, so we're all in agreement there so we can move on from that. But I just wanted to hit that right off the bat in case you were still holding out any hope for the NIT berth. Probably best to to move on. But guys, I want to dive into Archie Miller's first season. And I think what we need to do first before we start handing out grades and discussing this is agree on a criteria. You know, when you're grading a coach, a college basketball coach, what do you guys think are the most important elements that need to be graded? So I wrote down four things. These are the first four things that came to mind for me. I have a question. Jared, real quick, is one of them hire Ryan Phillips as a shot doctor? Because if it's not, we're going to disagree. Well, one of them is sanity. So you would obviously get an F if you made a decision like that in the sanity column. Yeah, just so, decision-making? Yeah. We could just lump that under decision-making, <laughs> yes. and then that would that would probably... Hey, you've it. been lobbying as hard as anybody for this, Jared. Well, well look, we're just trying to get rid of you. I was, that's neither here nor there. I, yeah, well, <laughs> that, and I was in the fog of the season where, you know, we're shooting 50% from, from, free th- you know, from the free-throw line. I'll take anything that might get us out of that. But now with yeah. the perspective of, you know, a week, uh, I realize how foolish that idea might be. But... <laughs> Okay, but but let's talk about the criteria. So the four things that I've made the list, the, the, four, <laughs> the four things that I listed uh, were on court success. Obviously, that's the most important thing. Um, recruiting. That's obviously going to be huge. Program ambassadorship, you know, which is, you know, kind of how you deal with the media, how you are in post game, the, the general tone that you're setting for the fan base, kind of how much people are believing in the direction you're setting. And then off-court issues, you know, so players going to class, not getting into trouble, how well they represent the university. Those kind of seem like the consistent four things that we always hear talked about with coaches. Is there anything that you don't think, like a big category that I didn't list or anything that is important that wouldn't fall under one of those umbrellas before we dive into actually handing out some grades for Archie? I think the only the only thing I would say is m- maybe on-court success is more like on-court performance or something like that. I, I know that seems like very uh, kind of nitpicky, but I think if we use success, then we have to probably figure out how we would define success in this case. But I think there's some things that that may fall just under overall on-court performance. I'm thinking of like, you know, improvement in certain areas of the game, you know, in-game coaching adjustments, those kinds of things that all kind of feed into like more perform. I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting, maybe it's no, just. I get, I well, no, but I think the point you're making is the importance of context because like on court success for, for this year, your letter grade would be different than four years from now when Archie's had a full, you know, has had four full years with his recruits. So I think context is important for these categories. Um, so whether you call it success or performance, 
you know, it's going to be dependent on some of the given, some of the particulars for that season, how you would actually hand out a grade, I think, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's I think fair. that's fair. I think, I think one um, factor we have to consider is sort of uh, construction of the staff and staff consistency. Because when there's a lot of staff turnover, that typically can create turmoil in a program. Um, but also, what do we think of the staff? Are we, do we like the staff? You know, I mean, like, I think that's, that's got to be part of it as well. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a coach really, um, I, I don't want to say it's less so in, in college basketball than in some other sports like football and, and things like that. But a coach, you know, in some ways is only as good as his staff. I mean, if you're, you can have a great coach if he has a terrible staff that isn't getting it done you have problems. So I, I would, I would throw that in there or maybe include the staff in sort of the program development or whatever we're going to, we're going to, that's a great point. No, I think staff management, I think that's worthwhile to have as a fifth category. So I like that. Okay. So the criteria, the criteria is on court success, off court issues, recruiting program ambassadorship and staff management. So let's take a break uh, and then we'll come back and we will give out our grades based on that criteria Uh, here coming up next. So stick with us. Uh, We will continue discussing Archie Miller's first season as Indiana's head coach, give you our grades based on the criteria that we just laid out. That's coming up here on the Assembly Call. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. So we are talking about Archie Miller and grading his performance for the, his first year on the job in Bloomington. Uh, and our criteria for doing so is, again, on-court success, off-court issues, Recruiting, program ambassadorship, and then a great addition made by Ryan, staff management. So let's kind of let's just go one by one through the categories and let's talk about it. And let's start with the most important one, uh, on-court success. So let me frame it this way, you know, because we talked about the importance of context. And so in a normal season for Indiana to basically not even, you know, to not be in the bubble discussion and to pretty much not even feel like you have a chance at the NIT that is an F. Like, there, I don't think there's any other way that you can state it. Like, just in a normal season based on IU standards, that, that's an, an F if you remove the context. What is interesting about grading Archie Miller for this season is that the context gives you some reasons to be a little bit more lenient and give a grade of maybe a B- minus or a C or a D, depending on where you want to go, because there are extenuating circumstances of a new coach taking over a program, uh, you know, completely flipping basically the, the personality and profile of that program, the injuries that happened. So there's some different ways that we can go with this. So, uh, Ryan, let's go with you first. 
how do you grade Archie for the on-court success of his first Indiana team? I mean, I'd, I'd say probably a C. Um, I, I think that the results, as you said, uh, the final standing and all that, missing all tournaments and, and finishing, you know, just above 500 is, is probably and 500 in the big 10 is, is probably worthy of, of about a C or we're worthy of a, a, you know, a failing grade. But I think that when you factor in the injuries, um, the fact that you didn't get what you were expecting out of some people like Deron Davis and Colin Hartman specifically because of injuries, you can't really plan for that. Um, and the lack of, of depth at certain positions, maybe having to play some guys more than you thought you'd have to, uh, uh, rushing guys a little earlier than you thought, and then maybe not getting what you thought out of others. Um, you know, a lack of consistent maturation from Devontae Green and Josh Newkirk and, and guys like that. Um, I think that you've got to look at those factors to sort of those were those are sort of factors that make you think, OK, well, maybe when he gets his own guys in this, this would look different. And I, I certainly think our record would have looked a little different uh, with Deron Davis uh, healthy for the season. I think that takes some pressure off Juwan Morgan, makes it a little easier for him to get what he needs to at the rim. And he has another outlet when he does get into the paint instead of having to force up shots late in games. Um, so I think that that you do have to factor those things in because that's a guy they were counting on heavily. Same with Colin Hartman. I mean, Colin Hartman shoots what 24% from three point range for the season. You were expecting him to be around 40. And, and again, you look at some of these games, if they had, they hit one, two, maybe three more three pointers in a game, they probably win about five more games. Um, so it was very much a close, but no cigar season. And, and you're missing, you know, people who you thought would help you. So I give him about a C um, obviously will not be as generous next year. If the results are the same, I think it would be a straight F next year. Uh, but you did see as far as encore performance goes, you saw the development of some of the things he wants to do, not turning the ball over as much playing much better defense. Um, there were just some things fundamentally flawed about this roster offensively that held it back. And I think that those are things that will be fixed next year, at least to a certain degree, uh, to the, to the, you know, to, to make it so they're actually over that hump a little bit. So I would say, uh, I think a C is a fair grade, maybe a C minus, but it, it, you know, there are extenuating circumstances there. Yeah. I had the same thing written down, which is a C Andy, what did you have for on court success? I'm going to kind of lump a whole bunch of things in here and probably a, a category that, that maybe we should have talked about was like player development. Um, I, what, what I would say is on the positive side, we saw the improvement over the course of the year from a defensive standpoint. We saw him unlock things in a guy like Freddie McSwain, uh, Zach McRoberts to a certain extent that, that I think he deserves a lot of credit for. And that helped the team be while not as successful as everybody hoped it would be as successful as it was. And probably on some level, outperformed what the expectations would really have been if you think about where this team was tend to be picked in the Big Ten and all those kinds of things. So on the one hand, you have that tangible improvement that it feels like you saw. On the other hand, there was never really a reward for it in terms of being able to get over the hump in one of those big games or a deep run in the Big Ten tournament. Um, and, and so I think then it makes it easier for, you know, the kinds of losses that started the season with Indiana State and ended it with Rutgers to kind of leave maybe a worse taste in your mouth than than, than you might have expected so i'm gonna I, i'm kind of with you guys i'm a, I'm almost inclined to go b minus just with some of the things that that you had and i think again kind of lumping the player development and the overall improvement in certain areas that we saw in the team in that i i think maybe i'm being a, a lenient grader but i'd probably say more like c plus b minus than maybe where you guys were but again the end result was you didn't really have any great wins 
um, to hang your hat on at the end of the season outside of that Notre Dame game, who we've learned this week, Notre Dame, perhaps the greatest team ever, went at full strength. Yes, according to their coach, anyway. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the next one, which is off-court issues. And I, I, I think this one's hard to grade Archie on, and I wrote down incomplete because, look, you know, the culture of this program, which has obviously improved greatly over the last three or four years from where it was, you know, it has been very good. Uh, you know, all of these guys seem to do all the right things on and off the court. You know, I thought you, know, you had some great stories from Greg Doyle about, you know, Juwan Morgan and Robert Johnson and their generosity for the fans and all of those things. And those are great individual things for those players. But it's tough to kind of reward Archie for that because he didn't recruit those guys. Um, you know, and he's only so I, mean, I guess you give him credit that there were no, you know, it's not like everything just fell through and guys are getting arrested and all this stuff is happening. It seemed like kind of a continuation of what Tom Crean had been building the last two or three years that he was there. Um, but I don't really know, and especially not being inside the program, that one's kind of a hard one to grade a coach on. So I don't really know what to say for that, especially given the context of this being his first year, other than an incomplete. Um, well, I really think that this is the this is one that can only be a negative. I mean, it really can, you know, because you only really hear about it when something negative happens. So you hear about when guys are out in the community and doing things like that. What it shouldn't I would, be that way, though. If I more agree, people I like, would tell the story like Greg Doyle did, and if people like us agree. would talk about it more, it wouldn't, maybe it wouldn't be so much like that. So well, I agree now, with you, but... Now you're, now you're blaming us for this, for I'm this problem. just trying to take responsibility, that's all. <laughs> well, speaking of that, actually, one thing I did see this year from a culture standpoint and from an off-court standpoint, I saw a lot of guys... Um, specifically a guy like Jawan Morgan really taking a lot of the burden on himself for losses, uh, you know, and, and really owning up to shortcomings. And I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, really being hard on himself. And, and again, we didn't really see a whole lot of that from other guys, but they weren't not taking credit. You know, it's like they, they were, you didn't see the other thing where they kind of blamed other people or got into spats or anything. And I thought this was a team that really supported each other. Um, even when things are going badly on the bench, you can just tell by body language and things like that. I thought they all supported each other. And, and the other thing I liked about it is they always, I mean, it, once we got into December, they always played hard, just incredibly hard. And, and whether they were playing right or smart or whatever that, you know, uh, certainly debatable from time to time, but they always played hard and gave it their all. And I think that's indicative of a good culture off the court. If you're willing, guys are willing to sacrifice, you know, and, and, and sort of do what the coach wants. I think that's indicative of a good coach player relationship. If, if, you know, it's one thing when it's three guys buying in, but if everybody is doing that and once they sort of came around, they were all doing that. So I have to give a positive grade. I don't think you can give a letter grade, though. I think you're right because we're not inside and it's only been, you know, six months or whatever that these guys have all been together. So but I, think I think you made really a good hard. point that it should, we should probably call it culture, not like off court issues where, where you're already suggesting a negative, negative. but yeah. make it make it culture. I, I agree with that. And it's almost more of a pass fail type thing than like a yeah, I certainly grade. agree. And I, I would give a pass because, again, there hasn't been negative stories um and what there have been is you just kind of see guys buying into a certain specific way of doing things and and uh i think that's a positive and and as i said i think it's indicative of people buying in and and you need people to buy in to even start to develop culture so i would give a passing grade on this andy do you have any dissenting opinions on that no i think they seem like a pretty connected group and i think you've heard in some of the comments they made and even some of the comments that archie's made that really trying to focus in on the responsibility that comes with being a part of the program and things like that so i, I would agree with you guys 
You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are taking a deep dive into Archie Miller's performance in his first year as Indiana's coach. We talked about on-court success and culture, and now let's roll through some of these other ones. Uh, and let's hit recruiting. It's such a huge part of any college basketball program. And I think when you look at what Archie has done from the very first press conference, you know, as I mentioned in the banner moment, laying out his philosophy for an inside-out recruiting strategy – you know, hiring Ed Schilling. Yeah, well, hiring Ed Schilling was bid, and we'll talk about that in, in staff management. But, you know, landing the guys he did, like Robert Finnessy and Demise Anderson uh, from in-state, along with a guy like Jerome Hunter, who has so much potential. Landing a guy like Race Thompson and having, you know, him uh, reclassify and spend a year as a redshirt, which I thought was, you know, smart on Indiana's part and smart on Race's part. And then, you know, perhaps as big as anything, Getting into the final three with Romeo Langford to where you actually feel like you have a legit shot, whereas before Indiana had no shot, you know, and, and now you look forward and you're in good position with five star in state guys like Keon Brooks and Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, I have a hard time giving him anything other than an A plus in recruiting. And, and I know that you might say, well, you know, we didn't, you know, we need a five star in 2018 and we may still get one with Romeo. So maybe it's an A and Romeo makes it an A plus, but. I've been so impressed with what he's done from a recruiting standpoint, and I just can't see any any way to give him anything lower than an A, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, he set out a plan. He's worked he's worked that plan, and and so far a it, plan it's worked well. In recruiting, that's yeah, that's... yeah. You can see you know thoughtful roster construction for the for the future. Um, so yeah, I think you're I, lying. I, I would tend to agree with you. I mean, I would probably say an A. You got to leave a little room to. You know, can't do too well in the first. You know, the first uh, first semester. I mean, Fred Glass in, was using check year. plus pluses, so maybe we could go A plus plus. Since uh, that's... one of my kids gets uh, numbers as grades, so I mean, anything is on the table at this point. Um, so no, I I would agree. I think you know he and he's the Indiana thing is one thing, which I, I think in times in the past has been overblown, but you know it was something that he made to be important and then followed through on it. And and I think the other thing is you you think about the kinds of kids and you know he talked about this in the start. I want guys who don't want to lose, um, who are really competitive and things like that. And I think what you read about these guys is they all really fit that mold and and fit a role um, that you can see going forward and feel like the guys at least that are you know committed so far feel like the kinds of foundational guys are going to be with the program multiple years and uh, and, and kind of go through it that way. So, yeah, I, I think this is an absolutely positive, probably if you're looking down the list of, of things on here, the one that far and away would get the highest grade in my eyes. Ryan? Uh, yeah, I I think that you have to I, – I give him like a solid B, B plus, like an 87%, because I do think you need that one marquee recruit to have an A. And, and that could change over the next few weeks. Obviously, uh, they were in the mix. They were in the finals for Darius Garland and lost. Uh, they're in the mix for Romeo Langford, and he's done a great job getting back into that. But I think that you do need to have that one marquee. They've got a, I love this class, and I love what all these guys bring, but I think that you have to have that one marquee guy. Um, until he lands his Cody Zeller, Yogi Ferrell type guy, I think you've got to have him at like a high B because it's see, a, see, I agree in a normal season, but given the context, no, I agree. I, I understand. And how much ground he had to make up once he started. Too. Yeah, I think that's the other thing. Again, is, I agree with you. I'm just saying that for me to give him that grade because it's Indiana, it's not like he stepped in at Northwestern and pulled the recruiting class he's pulled in. You know what I mean? I mean, this is Indiana as as a certain form. It's of Indiana. Coach said. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so I would say I, I, I've given him like a high B with a chance to make it. If he gets Romeo, it's an A plus. If he gets Romeo Langford, it's an A plus. Um, or, you know, there are a couple other kids that are decommitting from other places right now because of certain investigations that, you know, maybe you grab a guy you didn't think you had. And I think that rounds out the class. But I think for right now, I've got it as a high B, um, uh, you know, so like an 87, 88 percent but I'm not ready to give him an A yet until he lands that cornerstone recruit. Um, But I do, I love what he's done. And I think he set himself up incredibly well for next season. So if we're talking 2019, uh, you know, maybe it's a different grade, but you got to get that one cornerstone five-star type program changing recruit for me to get, give you an A. All right. uh, The next criteria would be staff management, Ryan. And and you mentioned this one. So why don't you take this one? Uh, I mean, my quick thoughts are that I I love the staff that he put together. You know, Bruiser Flint, a guy with serious head coaching experience and winning head coaching experience. Ed Schilling, uh, who, you know, renowned for his player development and obviously has great contacts in the state. Tom Ostrom, his right hand man, you know, who really understands his plan. And and it's nice having someone who really knows what you're trying to articulate, uh, you know, that can. go do that so I mean from the from that standpoint to me this is an A um, what would you give him for staff management well and then you got to look at Cliff Marshall strength yep, and conditioning Cliff Marshall yeah done a great job um, and then also retaining someone like Derek Elston who's important to Indiana not just important to the players not just important to you know the staff or, or you know whatever he's important to the program and has been important to the program for a long time. So I would say that's an A. I love this staff. And and someone once told me the best staffs have former head coaches on them. And you've got former head coach with Bruiser Flint. You've got Ed Schilling, who knows the state backwards and forwards. And as you said, Ostrom, uh, a guy who knows Archie backward and forward, knows everything about him and and, and can work with him, uh, certainly. And that, that provided him some comfort, I think, when he got uh, to Indiana. So he wasn't really starting over with the staff. But he went out and he tried to find the best, and he found some really good guys. And that's encouraging because great teams lose their staff. Your staff, bleed, you bleed staff guys if you're a good program. So the fact that he went out and got the best tells me that he's going to continue to do that, you know, even as guys move on if he has success here. Just needs a shot, doctor. That's there it. you go. It's one thing he's missing. Andy, any final thoughts on staff? And then we'll take a break and hit the rest of this after that. No, I definitely think the staff's been a positive. I think the the question about that going forward is, you know, do some of these guys, um, you know, would they take head coaching jobs if they were available? And what does that what does that mean? Certainly, that's a positive thing for those guys and for the program. Um, but there's, you know, certain continuity element that will be interesting to see, you know, how how long these guys are there. But for this year, um, I think they've proven useful, and I think they, they've each played a role in the recruiting of uh, of some of the guys. So if um, you know, I gave a good grade on recruiting and the, and acknowledge the assistants are part of that. It's hard to, to give them a substantially different grade there. Yep. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Then we'll come back. We'll talk about program ambassadorship and then give our final grades for Archie's first season. That's next. Stick with us here on the assembly call. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan than you need to be on our newsletter list, you will get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups all throughout the offseason to keep you up to date on everything going on with Indiana basketball. And then, of course, once the season resumes, then you will start getting our postgame analysis emails as well. It is all free. It will make you a smarter IU basketball fan. And the URL is assemblycall.com slash join. 
And then one more quick reminder, if you uh, do want to support the show, and we would greatly appreciate any support uh, that you provide, you can go to assemblycall.com slash donate uh, to see some recurring monthly and recurring annual options, as well as the ability to uh, just submit a one-time donation or send a check if you'd prefer to do it that way. Uh, And again, that URL is assemblycall.com slash donate. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down the job that Archie Miller did in his first year in Bloomington. And so we've gone through the first four elements of our criteria, on-court success, culture, recruiting, and staff management. And let's talk about the fifth one before we give out our final grades, and that is program ambassadorship. And, and Andy, I want you to start with this one. You know, I, I kind of look at program ambassadorship as you know, the vision that a coach is selling the fans on for the program, how much, you know, the fans kind of believe in that vision, uh, you know, the long-term vision, regardless of what the short-term results are. Uh, and then, you know, just things like, you know, how they are in post-game press conferences, how they are, you know, on, on the coaches' show, how much you kind of enjoy listening to them and how much you feel like you learn a little bit about basketball from, from listening to them. Uh, and then just the kind of figure that that person is, you know, in the community uh, and all of those kind of things. So from a program ambassadorship standpoint, how do you think Archie's done in his first year? Yeah, this is an interesting category for him because you can just tell – the, the, even when it came across in his you know, opening press conference, he's very direct, very to the point. Um, doesn't really want to spend time, you know, beating around the bush and 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 just having more lengthy, flowery conversations about different things. If you ask him a question, he's going to answer it. You're going to move on. Um, and so, I think with that in mind, I think there are certainly parts of of what it means to be the IU basketball coach that I don't know that he's entirely comfortable with, or at least at the very least, are not outwardly you know, comfortable. Yeah, at least things that he enjoys. Um, he understands it's part of the job, but but may not enjoy. And so um, I think that will will come. You know, I, he's definitely a guy who after games, you know, wears his emotion on his sleeve. And you can tell there were some press conferences during the season that he was just like, I just don't want to talk about this. I want to I want to get out of here. And he answered the questions and and kind of went through it. Um, and in that regard, it's a really stark difference um you know between Crean as are a number of things obviously but um I think that's one of the ones that really stands out to me so um I I think he's had a pretty you know a good first year in that regard but it's definitely kind of a feeling out process and and probably a case where as much as you might think walking in the door you know what you're getting yourself into you you probably don't know as much as you think you did um and definitely kind of a learning curve in that part of the the role over the course of the season and again parts of it that I don't know that are necessarily the things that he, uh, you know, would prefer to spend a ton of time doing. He just wants to coach basketball and, and get the team better at certain things. So I think it's a little bit, you know, kind of an odd, odd area to judge him specifically on, uh, even though it's definitely a big part of the job. Do you have a letter grade that you'd like to give him for program ambassadorship? Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll just go down the middle at like a, uh, maybe a B minus again. I don't know. I mean, I'm tempted really? to go just kind of, huh? he's selling the vision. I think it depends what part of it you're talking about. If you're talking about selling the vision, I mean, I talked about that from a recruiting standpoint. I think he's done a good job of that and really followed through on it. Uh, He certainly talked a lot about how he wants a team to play and has tried to mold them into that. But I do think there's parts of the, like being out in front of everybody that he's not necessarily as comfortable with and may get more comfortable over time. I like the way he handles it, but I I still think he's done a good job in those situations, even if he's not comfortable with it. You know, like I thought at senior night when we were down there on the court, like you could tell how just ticked off he was because it was it was still so raw because it was right after the game. 
but I thought, you know, the words that he spoke, you know, and talking about how, you know, we're going to have this place rocking, you know, again and, and be one of the toughest places in America to play. I, mean, I thought the, the words that he chose, they were few. You know, he's, he's not a guy who's going to say a lot, but I think he really has packed a punch with the words that he has said and has said the kind of things that Indiana fans need to hear given how topsy-turvy the last four or five years have been and even how much of a struggle this season was, kind of keeping the eye on the ultimate goal um, and not, you know, kind of getting lost in just some of the short-term ups and downs. So I agree he's uncomfortable, but I think all things considered, he's done a really good job with that part of the, of the job this year. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, you know, I give him a B. I, I think that it's um, – he's been solid, but I think that there are elements to the job, as Andy said, where it, it, he's not at his best. I mean, he wants to coach basketball, and there's nothing wrong with that. But these days, especially at a program like Indiana, it's a different animal. You've got to be – part cheerleader, part politician. I mean, it's almost like an elected office in the state, you know? I mean, it's because you've got to have the the people of the state on your side, and it's not just the people in Bloomington. It's the entire state. You are an ambassador to the university. Um, it might be the most important position at the university, as some would argue, um, and you're usually the highest-paid state employee. So I, I think that there is a little bit to it that is, that is a um, – that is, you know, sort of like a politician level, you know, job. And he, he, he's not a politician. I mean, he's going to tell you what he, what is going on, not what you want to hear. And I think that that's great uh, and it's refreshing, but at the same time, maybe when you're trying to sell a program, it's not always the best tact, um, you know, when you're not being a cheerleader for your team. And, and, and again, that's not a negative thing to say. I think that he's a guy who's going to tell his team, what he thinks and and what's really going on. He's going to tell the fans that too. Um, but again, if you're trying to sell the program, sometimes you do need to sort of sugarcoat things a little. And and so I think that that aspect um, can be viewed as a negative by some. I, I personally, we've had, you know, like a decade of that and I'm fine with some re- a reality check right now. Um, so I enjoy that, but I think that some people would look at it as a potential negative. So I'll give him a B. I think that there are things he'll get more comfortable with as he's in the job. I mean, it's look, Indiana's a different animal than Dayton. It just is. And that's his only previous head coaching experience. And at some of these bigger jobs, it's just a much, you know, the off court stuff is a much more taxing, much harder uh, slog than it is, you know, anywhere else. And, and I think it's that way in college for football. It's that way in college for basketball. And it's that way, you know, that's, that's the difference. That's why you see some guys want to go be professional coaches because they don't have to do that stuff. You know, that's not part of it. You don't have to do a barnstorming tour every couple of weeks. You don't have to, you know, meet with the local rotary club. You don't have to, you know what I mean? Like it, it there, it's a different animal and it's something that I think he'll develop into and, and be comfortable with because he knows what it means to be a head coach and, and what it means to be a high level head coach. He's seen his brother go through it. Uh, but as for right now, I think that that's still something he's a little uncomfortable with, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's something that develops. So I give him a solid B. I think he's, uh, He's done a a nice job of that, but I think that it's something that can improve. Hmm. Yeah, I think. I mean, to be clear, I like the way he goes about this person. So do I, and yeah. I have no issue with it at all. But I acknowledge the fact that some people want more than that. And all right, that's fair. That, that's and, fair. Then. That's and that's so maybe I'm okay. overcorrecting because in my own in my own view, I would probably give him a higher grade. But I think some people with the kind of lofty expectations that come with that might expect something more 
um, than what he is. And I think I also am trying to give him a little room to grow into that because I think he will over time. I mean, you know, a year in, he has a lot better idea of what all what it all really means and how it all comes together. And I think that um, he builds on that. Your comments about you know what he said at the you know at the end of that game are were spot on, and I thought he did a good job of really you know praising those guys and things like that. So I personally have no issue with it, um, but I can see how other people would. It might leave some people wanting more, I guess is maybe the easiest way to say it. Well, he's made listening to post-game press conferences so much more enjoyable and so much more insightful. <laughs> so, I, To the point that I'll actually do it now. Like, yeah. but I can yeah. tell you that I listened to more post-game press conferences this year than I did in the last few years combined. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, uh, you're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. So... Uh, program ambassadorship, you know, we had a little bit of a kind of a discrepancy there. You guys say B. I would still give him an A there. Um, but otherwise, you know, pretty similar. Staff management, I think we all agreed, was an A. Uh, recruiting, you know, Ryan, you were at a B plus. I think Andy and I were both at an A with a chance to get to an A+. Plus. Uh, culture, an incomplete, you know, you give him a pass if we're going to say it as kind of a pass-fail. And then for on-court success, I said a C. Uh, you know, Andy was at C plus or B minus, and Ryan was at a C. So, you know, you look at all that, you kind of average those out, and it seems like we're, you know, maybe at a B or a B plus uh, would seem to be about where it is, um, which seems fair to me. Um, how, Andy, what would you give as just kind of your, your general letter grade um, for Archie's performance in his first season? Yeah, that, that B plus is about what I would say. I, I think, again, context, as you said, is important. And I, I think everybody's you know, expectations got reset pretty quickly after that first game um, because I think there were probably some, uh, you know, maybe loftier expectations than were reasonable to have for this team. And so I think the way he navigated the injuries um, and really helped the team improve. I mean, I, I weight a lot more of this toward on-court performance. And while things didn't end up how everybody would have liked them to um, in the end with the way, you know, the Big Ten tournament ended and, and kind of ended on a, a sour note there, I do think we can point to tangible improvement in, in various aspects of the game that had been lacking um, prior to that. And I think you layer the recruiting in on top of that and it makes you and the ambassadorship and it gives you a good feel for what it is going forward. So, you know, the actual on court results themselves probably drag it down. Um, but overall, you know, I think it, it's it's hard not to be pleased with things um, that he's done. And so, yeah, I'd probably end up in that in that B plus range. And really, if, if it wasn't for the on court results, probably would be, you know, an A minus. Ryan, obviously yeah, you're this... harboring resentment that he didn't hire you, but try to well, I be mean, well, that's been clear in how low Ryan's graded in, during this entire, you know, this entire process. Yeah, I mean, I really should have graded the staff lower because it's missing me. But <laughs> no, I look. What I would say is there are so many positives going on with this program and the direction that he's taking it. The problem is a lot of those positives didn't translate to the court yet, and I think that that's why we're all kind of holding back from just being super excited well because waiting for that next you know waiting for it to translate and but sometimes those things do take a while and that's why usually in first season in the first season coaches get a pass essentially Um, whether that's justified all the time or not is you know up for debate but I think this season given that what was lost given what was coming back and given what was missing with the injuries and all that stuff you're willing to sort of give a little bit of a pass and and Here's what I'll say is how different would this season look had Indiana pulled out a win against Duke, against Purdue, against Michigan State, or against Ohio State? How different would we be looking at this season? One of those games, you win one of those games, 
And it, it looks different. It does because it's like, well, we, we won a big game. It, it showed that he can win a big game and that's great moving forward. I really think your, your view on that. And those games were all super close. They had a great home atmosphere. They, you know, were in it towards the end, you know, up until the end and should have probably won those games. I mean, if you look at the way it, well, the Ohio state one for sure, for sure. But I mean, even Duke, I mean, Mike Krzyzewski doesn't get the foul, get the, the officials to call eight straight fouls on Indiana at one point and everybody gets in foul trouble. Maybe they have a chance, but no, but Michigan state, they had their opportunities to win, uh, Purdue. They had plenty of opportunities to win that game and just didn't. And, and that's because you were relying on players who aren't as good as the players you have coming in eventually, you know? And um, so I think that I give him probably a B, uh, a high B, like an 86%, we'll say. Um, I'm getting specific. You guys aren't getting specific, but I, getting like specific. an 80, 86% because we I'd didn't like to see documents that prove that it should be an 86%. All right. Uh, I will show my work and we can put that in the, in this week's email. No, uh, but I would say that, you know, something like that, because of all the positives, we didn't see it translate to the floor. That doesn't mean I don't think it will, but it didn't this year. And so I think you've got to leave room for growth there. And, and so I give him a solid B. I think it was a good year. I think it might have been harder than he expected it was going to be to to transition uh, from the old system to this system. And it took longer than he expected. And maybe he didn't get enough out of certain specific guys. And um, I think we all were right there with him, expecting more from certain players. So I would give him a solid B. I thought it was a good season for him. Uh, not a great season for Indiana basketball in general, but I love the direction of the program, and I think there's a ton of positives moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I'm right about in the same boat that you guys are, uh, right about a B. Um, and I, I agree. I mean, I, I think the, the future, everything as you look forward is really, really positive. And what happened this season you know, with some of the encore performance kind of weighed it down. And, Ryan, to your point about it being a little bit harder to transition, I mean, I, I think – especially you know when you hear guys like Robert Johnson talk now kind of looking back on the season it does sound like that transition was probably harder than anybody anticipated that it was going to be and look no further for evidence than you know games like the Indiana State and Fort Wayne game where so many of Indiana's warts and struggles to adapt to the new system were on full display uh so uh, yeah uh, but i say overall uh, uh, a b for Archie Miller uh but with it trending up and certainly expecting, you know, bigger and and brighter things ahead. All right. uh, We got a few minutes left for our final segment. So come on back. We've got a few Twitter questions that we want to answer. Maybe we'll hit a little big 10 bracketology as well. That is coming up on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up another week of talking IU basketball. We only have a couple of minutes left, guys, so let's hit one of these questions here from Brian. Uh, and Andy, I'll send this to you first. It's a very simple question. Will Deron Davis fit in next year? Uh, I think so. It, you know, I think the question, you know, certainly this is asked more in IU context, but I do think when you look around college basketball, you know, finding back to the basket, big guys are, are, is pretty hard to do. And, and if you can surround those guys somewhat similar to what Purdue has done with Haas with guys who can really drive the ball, like Carson Edwards. And I think IU with fantasy coming is going to have guys that have more of that skill set or guys who can really shoot the ball. Um, like Purdue also has, you can really make teams pay with that. I think he struggled a little bit this year, obviously injuries, number of other factors, but the reality was even if he attracted attention from the defense, there really wasn't kind of a plan B, uh, in that case. So I think with hopefully, 
you know, different supporting cast falling into different roles, I think he can be more effective. Um, and so I, I still think he fits in. But uh, there's a larger college basketball question about the uh, the big man to probably be answered there as well. And he's obviously going to have to recover well, you know, and keep the gains he made in conditioning and, and at least be the same athlete he was, uh, if not a better athlete. Um, Ryan, your quick thoughts on Duran. Yeah, I think that it's going to be a lot about how he recovers. I mean, the Achilles injury is no joke, and we've seen that end careers. So um, hopefully he comes back healthy. Uh, I, I think that they'll find a way to fit him in. I mean, we saw some games this year where Duran, I mean, look, against Duke, against some two of the best big men in the country, two potential lottery picks, he dominated that game. You know, when he was in there and when he wasn't fouling and he was actually on the floor. Um, so I think, yeah, it's going to have a lot to do with him, uh, how he develops. Does he have lateral quickness for to help be able to help defensively? Um, that was one of the keys. I think this team was at its best when Jawan Morgan was guarding big men because he could switch on screens. So I, I think, you know, that's to me a big factor is how does he come back? How quick is he uh, laterally? Um, does he come back next year or does he do they just give him a red shirt and have him sit the whole year? I mean, I don't think that's an option right now, but with an Achilles injury, you never know. So it's about recovery. It's about how healthy he is. And if he's healthy, I don't see a reason why he can't uh, participate. Yeah. And obviously we could spend a lot more time on this. And subject. fit in, by the way. Yeah. Yes, and and we will uh, in future episodes as we move through the offseason, we'll basically take each player who's going to be returning next year and do a deep dive into how their season went this past season and what they need to improve on uh, as we move forward for next season uh, for Indiana to have a better next season and for us not to be talking about the offseason already uh, so early in March. All right, well, that'll do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording, or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. 
From the company that brought you Rocket Mortgage comes Rocket Pro Insight, the innovative product designed to give real estate agents control like never before. Rocket Pro Insight allows agents to send files on their clients' behalf and get to closing faster. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate and get the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time. Offer cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. MLSConsumeraccess.org number 3030. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.